You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. I was uh, prepping this week, and I have to tell you, I, I think I changed my sermon about three times. And I think I've settled on what needs to be said today. Amen? You with me? I, I, I felt like I wanted to talk about miracles today. Praying for miracles and believing for miracles as we head into 2020. I was uh, reading yesterday, I looked up, I said to the team in the back, I you know it was pouring rain yesterday. I was looking at my Bible uh, on my app and I just happened to fall to Hosea, which is a very weird book to look in in some regards, but Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, and it, it says something to the effect of, oh, that we would know you, and oh, that you would come like the sweet spring rains. And I looked outside, and it was pouring rain, and I thought, Lord, this is exactly what we need in the spiritual realm. We need an absolute soaking. We need the rain of God, the Spirit of God to fall. Our land is dry and thirsty and so needy. Life life can't spring up unless rain comes. We're praying for Australia that rain would come. You know, that that life would be rebirthed, that salvation would happen. You know, and 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 it's it's the you know, the, the picture of rain and what rain does to our earth. You know, in the summer when it's really dry, we could use one of those days right now, but you know, in the summer when it's really dry and it's been dry for a long time and then we have like a good rain and the next day your grass is greener, your flowers are better, the streets look cleaner, everything just feels refreshed. You know what I mean? This is what we need in the spiritual realm. And uh, I want to just talk to you today about that. Um, when you, I was looking in the book of Acts, because in the book of Acts, it's a very powerful book about how the early church began and how they just went out and did signs and wonders. That the anointing and the power of the Spirit was upon the believers in such a dramatic way and it, it's, it's just inspiring to read the stories. If you are looking for a good book to read, it's, it's, it's always the number one bestseller in all the world. It's called God's Word. And you, you can get it for free on an app. Read it. It's a good book. And if you're reading the book this week or even, even this month, I encourage you, read the book of Acts. It's such a powerful book. When you read this book, you discover one miracle happening after another. It just, the whole book is is filled with incredible stories. And it just reminded me that our Heavenly Father is a supernatural prayer-answering God. That's who He is. That's what He does. And the book of Acts it, it really should inspire us to ask for big things and to believe for big things. 
God is still willing. He's still powerful. We are still his children. We are in need of signs and wonders. We are in need of miracles in our lives of all sorts and of all shapes. Is there a miracle that you need today in your life? The book of Acts, it's uh, actually, Pastor Jordan just mentioned it, but the book of Acts is the second book that was written by Luke. And a lot of people don't know that, but that's the truth. And when Luke wrote his, the first book that we call Luke, it, it was, it was, uh, the Acts was always meant to be a continuation from the first book. He wrote Luke, and then he, and then he began Acts. And it was always like a part one and a part two. In the Bible, we just throw John in the middle, but, but really, if you want to read, read Luke and then read Acts. It's Paul's, uh, not Paul, but it's Luke's whole writing that he wants to get across, both books. In fact, he says this in Acts chapter 1. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, this is Luke now, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Luke tells us all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's what, that's what Luke says. And now he says the book of Acts is really continuing the story of what Jesus did and taught through the church, through the apostles, through the believers, through who were empowered uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 10:38. It says, "And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him." And now Luke chapter nine, look at this. He says, "One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them what? Power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases." Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want you to see, Jesus is basically saying this. Luke says Jesus is filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and is going around doing great things. And then Jesus takes that anointing and lays it on the disciples and says, now you go. He's saying, listen. I want you to go out and do the same things that you've seen me do. I want you to go out and do the same things that you've seen me do. Teach, preach, heal the sick, do great things in my name. He wants us to go out and do the same things that he did. Just think about that for a second. It's an incredible thought. He calls us and wants to equip us to be his representative, his spokesperson, to continue the work here on earth that he started. In Luke, it tells the story of what Jesus began to do and teach. And in Acts, the story continues with the believers and the apostles 
continuing to do the work of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We're still there. We're still there. We're still called to do that. This is, this is the, 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 the calling and the equipping that he wants to give us. Brian Johnson said, I think I put it in your notes uh, in the bulletin, but he said, it's abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. It's been written into our spiritual DNA to hunger for the impossibilities around us to bow at the name of Jesus. He, he's bang on. He's exactly right. It should, be, it should be very normal for us to want to see impossible things changed. It should be. We shouldn't discount it and say, oh no, you know, that's a crazy thought. Oh no, that couldn't happen. Oh no, those days are over. That's nonsense. It's written right into our DNA. We look around our world and we see the darkness and the impossibilities and we say, yes, but if God came, but if the Holy Spirit showed up, but if, if Jesus came and touched that person, right? The woman is bleeding. She believes that all she has to do is, is touch him. She touches him and she's healed. And that power, right? We, we can preach a million sermons, but one touch, one touch from the Holy Spirit and somebody's life is changed and transformed. You can't deny his power. All of a sudden, everything changes. Everything is different when you get touched by his power. How many times in your life have you felt and known absolutely the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? When you do, you're never the same. And what, what happens is, is he plants this hunger in your soul for more. You want more because it's so good. You, you want more for yourself. You want more for your world, for your family, for your spouse, for your children. Because you know that one touch and things can be so different. It's abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. In Acts 4, Peter and John get released from prison. And they, they, gather, around, they gather in this room with all the other believers. And they, and they begin to pray. And it's a very powerful prayer. And, but they basically pray for two things. I put it up for me, Acts 4, verse 29. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. They were threatening them and telling them they weren't allowed to preach uh, about Jesus. He says, So hear, Lord, their threats, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. See, they get out, they pray basically for two things. They say, Lord, give us boldness, give us courage. Help us not to be intimidated by the threats that are coming against us. And second, give us signs and wonders. May your power be evident in our lives and in our ministry. They pray for two things, and obviously, God likes the prayer. The room shakes. They're filled with boldness, and they go out in the very next chapter, chapter 5, and begin to do 
incredible signs and wonders. And it just made me think, these two things we still should be praying for. We are so afraid. We are so intimidated. We, we so want to soften everything. We're, we, we try to make Jesus so attractive to people that don't know him that we remove all of his power and all of his uniqueness. He is powerful. He is great. And he is not someone that you want to mess with. You want to be on his team. He is all that we need. And we need that boldness. They go out and they begin to preach and teach with boldness. And God immediately begins to answer their prayer, not just with boldness, but with signs and wonders. Amazing things begin to happen. Look at the very next chapter, uh, verse 12. It says, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Just stop. So they say, Lord, give us boldness and may signs and wonders happen in your name. They walk out. And the next chapter, this is what happens. They're performing miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits and they were what? All. Healed. That's what it says. You know, you see this little weird conundrum happening here. They're meeting in Solomon's colonnade. They're, they have the favor of the people, and it says nobody dared join them. This is, it's like a paradox. It's like nobody dared join them, but yet tons more people were believing. It, it's this weird little paradox, and it's like, it's like anybody, this, uh, the first part of what we didn't, we skipped it because I'm just for time, but the first part of Acts chapter 5 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And they lie to the Holy Spirit about money that they had or, or were intending to give. And they both, they, they, here's a story, they both drop dead. And so the story, of course, flies across the world, you know, all across Jerusalem don't mess with these people, man. If, like, if you go in there with the wrong attitude, if you're not real, if you're not real, like if you're not real, if you go in thinking, hey, this is a great crowd, maybe I can make some business connections and sell more stuff to the people in here. Hey, maybe I'll just go in with you know, some bad attitude or some, some, you know, some, some negative thing. And... And they were afraid, almost, of touching these people because the power was on them so, so greatly. But yet, those who wanted to respond genuinely, authentically, who wanted to say, I want to be a part of this and I want to get my life right, they were coming in droves. And it seems like the power of God was driving some away, protecting them from bad people infiltrating their midst, and it was also attracting people to come 
who were genuinely being saved. Isn't that an interesting thought? But it's a paradox that seems to be happening in this chapter. So here's the bottom line. It got me thinking, okay, Lord, so we see all these things going on in the book of Acts, all these miraculous powers. You were clearly were pleased with the prayer of, of the believers who said, give us boldness and may signs and wonders follow us, right? So how can we see more miracles in our lives? How can we see stuff begin to happen that needs to happen? And it's a giant question, but I, I just wanted to pull out two simple things, just two simple things. They're simple things, but I believe that they're powerful things when done correctly. And the first one you'll see in your notes is we got to spend more time with Jesus. I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer, but sometimes a Sunday school answer is the best answer. We got to spend more time with him. For us, what does that mean? It means spending time reading the word. You hear me once in a while say, get your face in the book. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book. Read the book. Read the book. The movies always, I, I wanted to say suck, but they're borderline bad. They never, they never quite capture it all. I, 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 I get sometimes that they're inspirational, but man, read the book. Read the book. How do we spend time with Jesus? We got to read the book and we got to talk to him and pray. You got to talk to him when you're standing in the shower. You got to talk to him when you're driving down the road. You got to talk to him when you're sitting at your desk. You got to talk to him when you're walking down the sidewalk. You got to talk to him. You got to spend time with him. You got to let him talk to you. You got to spend time with him and open up your heart to receive and to believe what he's saying to you. Those who seek him will be filled. Does not the word say that, right? If you, in, you know, if you come after me, you'll find me. Like you see verses scattered throughout the Bible, meaning, listen, there's much of God that we can't understand because he's bigger and greater than us. But this one thing we know, he is making himself known to us and wants to be known. And if you come after him, you will find him. This is true. If you go after him, you'll find him. If you go after him with a, with a right attitude and a pure heart. So we've got to spend time with him. We've got to read the book. There's a million good books out there, but read the good book, right? So we could all use more of this. We've got to read the word, and we've got to pray and spend time in his presence. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. This is what spending time in his presence did for Peter and John. Look at Matthew 6.6. 6. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then, your father who sees everything will reward you. There's a reward that comes with prayer. 
Look at John chapter 15. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Those are powerful words. You see, when we remain in him, when we're spending time with him, when we're getting to know him, what happens is, is that your will begins to align with the will of God. He tells you what you need to pray for. He tells you how to pray. He gives you insight and, and, and clarity into things. And so you don't waste your time calling out and yelling and screaming and getting frustrated over things because he, he's directing your prayer. And how many know, look, when you're praying, when you are absolutely for sure praying the will of God, that's a powerful prayer. That's a powerful prayer. This is what happens when we remain in him. The only way we remain in him, the only way we stay connected to, to the vine is we got to get our face in the book and we got to spend time in his presence. There's a prayer meeting here every Monday night. You can come. You can pray anytime you want to alone. But you've got to spend time in his presence. And prayer is not just a one-way conversation. It's a two-way street. You talk and he talks. Sometimes I think I, 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 I get the impression sometimes that people sort of get prayer kind of confused. It, of course it's us talking to the Lord. If you're always talking, you're not listening very well. There's a time to talk and there's a time to listen. And prayer involves both. But we've got to spend time with Jesus. The other is this. We actually have to pray and believe for miracles. It's important. See, the early church prayed. And they absolutely believed for, for miracles. And they began, to, saw, they began uh, to see them happen. We need to pray for them. You see, it's clear if we don't ask, we won't receive, right? So we need to keep at it. We need to persevere. We need to stay at it as best we can. Matthew 7, 7, even Jesus encouraged us by saying, keep on asking and you'll receive what you asked for. Keep on seeking. And you'll find, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Even Jesus said, persevere. Keep on keeping on. Jesus himself encouraged us to stay faithful and to stay in prayer. And, and it got me thinking, too, it's good to pray alone. It's really good to pray alone. But it's also really good to pray with other believers. Amen? There's something powerful about it. There's something corporate about it that, that brings a sense of encouragement and anointing into our lives. That when we pray together, it helps to keep us motivated. It helps to keep us encouraged. Uh, look at Matthew 18. 
And Jesus said this, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. He's here right now. We said last week, right here, right now. He's right here, right now. He's hearing my voice. He's listening to your thoughts. He's getting the prayers and the miracles that you so desire, that you already are thinking about as I'm talking. He, he, he's here among us. Romans chapter 10, 17, it says, I, don't, I didn't pull it up on the screen, but it just says this, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. So our faith is built. The whole point is this. Our faith is built when we hear the stories of Jesus. Our faith is built when we, when we see the stories throughout Luke and Acts and the Gospels of Jesus healing the blind, the lame, the demon-possessed, the lepers, the sick of all kinds. When we hear stories of him loving the worst sinners and forgiving people and restoring people who have made terrible mistakes. Do, do you see that it helps us to believe that if he's willing for them, then he's willing for me. If he was willing then, he's still willing now. Right? If he, he can do the same for me like he did back then. I, I, here's, one, here's just one quick example. Matthew chapter 8. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. If Jesus is willing for him, He's got to be willing for me. He's got to be willing for you. So it's important for us to spend time in the word. Hear the stories because it builds your faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. This is why church is pretty important too. Because we gather around and we hear the word of God. And when we do it regularly, it builds our faith. It encourages us. It reminds us that we serve a great God who can do great things. And so all of these things are important for us to be participating in because it builds our faith to believe. So why do you think that, uh, I was thinking, why did the early church, why did the early believers ask for signs and wonders? Why did they do that? Why didn't they just pray for boldness to preach the gospel? Why did they also include a, a, a request for signs and wonders to follow their teaching? And I think it was because they saw the bigger picture that signs and wonders accomplish things. They accomplish things, and it's not... It, it, it's not I, I believe that there's so many multi-layers to a miracle. It's never... I don't think it's hardly ever, maybe never, but hardly ever just for the benefit of one. I think there's always something deeper, greater, more powerful going on. So I think they saw that. I think they saw that, uh, I wrote down in your notes that 
signs and wonders give glory to God. They bring glory to God. So they want miracles. They're, they ask for miracles. Like we used to say with our building, right? God, do something that only you can do so that only you will get the glory, right? No man, no woman, no politician, no government. You know, no, just you do something that, so that only you can get the glory. And I think that was their motivation. Lord, do something great. Give yourself glory. Show people how great you are. And when Jesus healed people, by the way, God always got glory. Always. Look at, here's a few quick examples. Matthew 15. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And what they do? And they praised the God of Israel. Luke 13, verse 10, says, On one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had, she, she had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. And he touched her. And, she, and instantly she could stand straight. And look at her response. How she praised God. God gets glory, right? One more, John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. This is what he says. No, it happened. Why? For the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Signs and wonders are meant to give glory to God. And if anything powerful happens in your life, be quick to give him the glory. Be quick to give him the credit. Be quick to point towards him and say, it's because of him, for his glory. It's for him. He did it for his glory. Get everybody's eyes off of you and quickly point it on to Jesus. Signs and wonders give glory to Jesus. They're meant to. So the disciples are well aware. The early church is well aware that the power for miracles and transformed lives is only going to come from God. It's not going to come from them. They knew that they needed the power of the Spirit. They knew how important it was to make sure that God gets the credit. We live to give God glory, people. With every talent, with every good thing that has ever been given to us, all glory goes to Him. See, it's always about Jesus. It's to Jesus. It's because of Jesus. We live for Him. It's for Him. It's always directed to Him. Every good thing we've ever received has come from above. He gets glory. God deserves the glory. And signs and wonders will always point to Him, should always point to Him. Someone who tries to take the credit for this will quickly find themselves 
in a very bad position. Signs and wonders cannot follow people who are taking credit for it and not giving credit to God. The tap will quickly dry up. He is the one who has the power. He is the one who has the authority. And he is the one who is worthy of the glory. So signs and wonders, they ask because they want God's glory to be displayed. They want to give God the credit and the attention. The other thing I wrote down was signs and wonders lead to salvation. And I believe that they were very, very, very wanting people to be saved. And the power of God on display helps people open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. So when Jesus gets lifted up, what's he say? I will draw all people to myself, right? So when they lift up the name of Jesus, right? Signs and wonders start to happen. Jesus begins to draw people to himself. So when you see miracles in the book of Acts, you see people getting saved and believing in Jesus. Almost every time something, a spectacular thing occurs, and then boom, the next thing that happens is somebody gets saved. Somebody gets saved as a result. It's, it's almost uncanny when you look through the book. See, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends, right? In the day of Pentecost, it comes and it descends on them and it says like wind and like fire, right? And what happens? 3,000 people get saved, right? Signs and wonders led to 3,000 people getting saved that day. You see it in Acts 3 and 4. Peter and John heal this crippled man. And in Acts 4 it says, at least 2,000 more people were saved. Signs and wonders help in the salvation process. Acts 5, miracles are happening. It says, crowds of both men and women are coming and believing by the droves. Acts chapter 9, put it up for me. Verse 32, it says, Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came to visit the believers in the town of Lydia. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Who, gets, who heals him? Not I heal you, but Jesus gets glory for this. So get up, roll up your sleeping mat, and he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and what happened? They turned to the Lord. This is what happens again and again and again. It's power evangelism, as John Wimber used to say. It is signs and wonders. God is not just a God that you can blah, blah, blah about. He's a living God who can change and transform your life. And when you see it happen, it is an undeniable mark of the power of the Spirit. See, the church was asking for signs and wonders because they knew people would respond to their message if it was accompanied by Holy Spirit power. Lord, come, show these people your power. Show them how great you are, and they will come to you. And they did. Last, signs and wonders, they also show the compassion of Jesus, the compassion of God. Look at Matthew 9.35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. 
He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, verse 14, says Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. It's important, it's important that people understand and the early church wanted people to understand that there is a God who cares about you. There is a God. He is not a God like all the other gods who will drop thunderbolts on your head. You, he, he is a God of compassion. He is a God of mercy. He is a God who wants to pour out good things into your life. He is loving and beautiful and kind. He is compassionate. He wants to help you and touch you and strengthen you and change you. He, he wants to do all that. And when Jesus walks into these situations, he sees the crowd lost and hopeless and sick and broken. And they say, I, I need to, I just, I love these people so much. They, they all need to be healed. And he just goes about healing people and touching people. It's, it's this beautiful picture of the compassion of Jesus and the miracles that he did. They show his compassion. And it's so important that people see God like that. Because a lot of people don't. So signs and wonders show the compassion of Jesus. So in the New Testament, the message of the gospel was authenticated time and time again by signs and wonders. It doesn't say that these things were temporary. It doesn't say that we shouldn't ask and believe anymore. I say, I, I say we should still ask. I say we should still believe for signs and wonders. I, I say Jesus still wants to pour out his compassion. I say Jesus still wants to receive the glory from it. He still wants people to be saved. He still wants to pour out compassion. So let's build our faith by spending time in the word and by praying alone and with each other. It's important. We don't know, listen, all the reasons why God does or doesn't do certain things. But we're commanded to pray and believe. And I believe it was John Wimber who said, listen, it's our job to pray and it's God's job to heal. I can only do my part. I can't do anything more than that. All we can do is to do our part. And our part is to get as close to Jesus as we can to lock our will in with His, and to begin to pray passionately for people, for signs and wonders, for Him to get glory, for us to be filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, that we will not be intimidated, but that we walk with His boldness and His power, and that signs and wonders will accompany His church. I know that sounds crazy in the 21st century. Nobody talks like this. I'm encouraging us to think bigger, to pray bigger, to believe bigger. We have got to break out of our box. We have got to defeat the power of the enemy who has got us crippled and squished in, that we're afraid all the time. We, we, we don't want to pray a big prayer in case nothing happens and then we dis we're disappointed. Like 
it, all these things that the enemy uses to make us smaller and weaker. And when I read the book of Acts, my heart just, it got so big this week to think God's the same. He's the same. He still loves people. He still wants to do great things in us and through us. We've got to do our part and let God do his. So listen, let's build our faith. So I encourage us, I encourage us all this morning to have faith for the impossible thing. Have faith for the impossible. Let's pray and ask God to speak. Let's pray and ask God to act. Let's pray and ask God to bless. Let's pray and ask God to save. Let's pray and ask God to transform. Let's pray and ask for signs and wonders to be done through the name of Jesus so that His name will get glory, that people will be saved, and that the compassion of God will be flowing out of our church and out of our lives. This is a 2020 prayer that needs to happen more regularly. We are not weaker. We are strong. He is not small. He is big. He is still the same, and we have got to get our heads out of the sand and look to the heavens to say, our God is big, our God is great, our God is compassionate, and our God can do all things through the power of the Spirit. It is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. And like we said last year about this time, our worst problems, our worst problems are nothing but a crumb. Nothing but a crumb to an all-powerful God. Ben, come on back. Just bow your head for a moment. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you for all that you are. And thank you for all that you are capable of doing. Forgive us, Lord, this morning, all of us, me included, all of us, for somehow taming you, making you weak and small, when you are really an unquenchable fire. You are rain. You are power and might. You are not tame, but you are good. And forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. For not walking the way that we need to walk. Praying the way we should. Getting close to you the way that we know we can. We make all kinds of plans, Lord, in this month of every new year. But if this was something we could carry out this year, it would be the greatest thing we could ever do. More than losing weight or fixing our finances or getting in better shape. But man, if we could spend more time in the book, get our wills aligned with your will, spend more time talking and hearing you talk to us, 
what kind of change could happen in us personally? And what kind of change could happen to others through the anointing that is flowing out of our lives? The possibilities are big. And so I ask you today that you would save us, Lord. Change us and transform us. And help us to believe, Father, that you're still a God of the miracle. You're still a God of the impossible. You're still a God of the transforming power. You're still that God. So thank you. Father, it wasn't a perfect church, that early church in Acts. But one thing they did right was they prayed and they believed. Help us, Lord, to be marked by those two things. It can change, Lord, so many situations. We believe you are still the answer and still have the power. And so we call on you today. And we fall at your feet, Lord, and ask you, please, Holy Spirit, it is not by might, it is not by power. But it is only by the hand of God that certain things will get done. And so we call on you today. Help us to believe. And we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.